Hi, this is Jay Lee, and you're listening to Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the master disaster, Josh45. Hi. And with the second suitor, Mr. Tyler Brown. Hello there. And I'm CBS. Hi. I still gotta work on that. Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, see, today we are doing episode number 184. And the books we're gonna be going over is Batman Beyond, Neo Year number one from DC Comics, and Alice Ever After number one from Boom Comics or Boom Studios. And then Captain America issues number zero from Marvel Comics, uh, 2022 issue zero. Uh, then after that, we have an interview from uh, the WonderCon 2022, so just happened a couple months ago, with Beth Satello, who's a fantastic lady, colorist, inker, artist, writer. Um, she has a book called Grump, and she uh, did a bunch of coloring stuff for uh, Top Cow, and she's fantastic, super fun. Yeah, it, definitely got to check her out. She's great. But before that, do we got any news? What's in the news? What's in the news? Well, do you want me to start off first? Go ahead. Okay. Uh, so Dan DiDio and Kenneth Rockefeller um, are teaming up to do a new young adult book called uh, Hide and Seek, and it's going to be coming out from uh, a company called Permuted Press. It's supposed to come out April this next year, and like the short pitch for the story is that it's about a young young boy or teenage boy who gets put into witness relocation protection after watching his superhero father get murdered on TV. And then it turns out that the town, as he's there, he learns that a whole bunch of the f- people in the town are other members of, like, supervillain families. And as he starts to develop his own powers, it turns out the town might be more of a prison than it is a safe haven type place. So, interesting idea. Um, as far as art's concerned, I mean, Rockefeller's freaking great. Like, he's fantastic. And Dan Didio is a decent writer, so it's cool to see Dan doing stuff again. Um, it'll be interesting to see what it is. I mean, it's a company I've never really heard of, so as a thing, I guess they've been around for a minute, but uh, again, it's not one I had heard of before, so I think that's pretty neat. Worth checking out as a thing. Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Universe has just been delayed from uh, October 7th this year to June 2nd of next year, 2023. Um, I'm really bummed. I really, really enjoyed the first one. Um, this is supposed to be a two-parter, from what I understand. I think, for for me, it's probably my favorite Spider-Man movie up until I saw No Way Home, and I think it's the reason why No Way Home happened. So, um, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited for it, but it's unfortunate that it has been delayed. That's crazy. Um, something else in comic book stuff. Uh, so Dynamite announced that they're going to be doing a new Vampirella series. Uh, we're still having writer Christopher Priest on it, which, if you guys didn't know, Christopher Priest is actually a priest. Really? Uh, yeah, surprisingly enough. I did enough. not know that. Uh, but they're going to be doing, he's going to be writing a series, they're calling it uh, Vampirella Year One, and so what this story is doing is it's going back to her as a kid, well, not like a kid kid, but her in a, a, as a younger, younger person, um, when she first wound up coming to Earth uh, from their home planet of Dra- Dracleon, I think that's how you said it. Uh, but yeah, so the book's going to take place over multiple time frames, like 1969, 
is the first year she's on Earth, and of course she can't speak the language because she's from she's literally an actual alien, and uh, trying to figure out the reasons, like part of the reasons why she came to Earth in the first place. So like, an interesting take on time. And like, I was reading an interview, and he said that he was surprised it hadn't been done before already because her homeworld stuff. There's not really hardly anything about it. I mean, as a character, she started out as a uh, a horror host for a magazine called Vampirella. So she was like, uh, thank Elvira for TV movies and stuff. Same idea, except it was Vampirella, and then eventually they turned into a character, and that company went under, and the next company bought her up and made her into a regular like comic book thing. Anyhow, as far as like establishing stories, it'll be interesting to see like what life like life was like between those two points, just because it's never been done. So I think that's pretty cool. I mean, it's a an odd thing that Vampirella is not really like from here, and she's, so she's not a proper Dracula. Sure. So like that's an interesting thing to bring back up in the world because I don't think I don't think it's mentioned hardly ever to be honest. So I mean I think that's cool, but I do have a soft spot for the lady in her tiny bikini. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah you know. Uh, Marvel is finally making a Squirrel Girl show. Ooh. But it is a podcast. No, that's just got awful. I know. So five years ago, Squirrel Girl, Squirrel Girl, portrayed by Million Ventrub, almost made her TV debut before the series was ultimately canceled. Um, now it become a podcast written by author, comic author Ryan North. Uh, should be a six episode thing on Sirius XM. Uh, looking like it's going to have quite a few other uh, big names in it: uh, Iron Man, Spider Man, Chimp Hulk. Koi Boy and Brain Drain. Huh, okay. Uh, this doesn't have a date, so not sure when, but yeah. I mean, Felix Squirrel. No, as far as the character, depending on what it is she's in, yeah. Did they did they have the name of the person doing the voice for Squirrel Girl? Van Trub. She's gonna okay. She's gonna do it. So that's cool. Who, who originally was? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Well, like she's finally getting to do it. That's cool. I mean, it's. They did the animated movie. There are the animated series too that the character shows up in. I didn't see that. Yeah, it's a it's a series of shows. It's called like Marvel Uprising, and the main character is actually Kamala Khan, but Squirrel Girl is like the sidekick, a more experienced hero type. Okay. Uh, I mean, it was okay as far as as show. I mean, animation's good. The story's fine. Not bad. Uh, Ezra Miller. Recently in the news, um, was arrested uh, a couple weeks ago, about about a week ago now. Right. Um, now he's been arrested again. Uh, looks like for alleged assault um, through a chair at somebody. So man, the kid is like the whole karaoke thing and the the weird the weird thing before where like he slapped. Somebody that asked him to slap them, yeah, like, for whatever reason, he thought it would be okay and did it anyway. I guess the first thing had to do with some kind of restraining order, and he broke the restraining order, and then there was some kind at a karaoke bar in Hawaii, and then from there it got worse, and then yeah, it's 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 a whole thing. Like they need to just take that kid his 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 who his PR guy needs to just buy him a ticket away from Hawaii and be like, get out of there, right? Yeah, <laughs> you're obviously having too much fun. Man, like yeah, out of control. That's yeah, that's wild. Well, D- DC pushed back a bunch of their yes, a bunch of their films and movies too. So like that, I'm sure that doesn't help. But man, you're not helping your case, bro. No, it's no. not. It's not looking good. 
It's not looking good at all. You have more? Are you done? I have one more thing. Oh, okay. Um, next Fast and Furious movie is called Fast X. Oh, yeah, I saw something about that. Vin Diesel posted about it today. That is not comic book related, but I thought you would want to know. I mean, kind of. They're superheroes. I do. <laughs> they go to space. They do. They go to space. The new one's got Brie Larson on it, so. Oh, man. Cat Marvel's joined the team. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I had one more thing. Where am I? Sorry. I'm... Oh, James Gunn. James Gunn comments on if he wants to make a Superman movie. I thought this was um, pretty pretty telling, in, in my opinion. So this this tweet kind of happened. Um, it was kind of an ask me anything um, thing on, on Twitter. And he said, whatever the case, I'm currently working on a lot of projects, including a few unknown to the general public. And speaking for where I am at this moment, not tomorrow, not next year or five years down the line. Um, I am currently, yeah, so that, that's what he's saying. He's speaking of, he's working on a lot of projects. And, oh, that's what it was. No, um, no current, what did he say? I, the tweet's not here. It's like no current, um, licenses that I wouldn't currently want to be working on. That, that, that was the, that was the thing. Sure. Um, and then somebody kind of jumped on, um, what was going to hate, but you said, you know, Superman two was your favorite DC movie. And he's like, I don't remember having said that I was interested in that. Having said that just because I love beef stroke enough, doesn't mean I have the desire to make it. So. I mean, there you go. Yeah. His flavor of film anyway, I don't necessarily think would as much as I love it. I don't think it would lend to a Superman movie. Very good. I agree. Just styling and like the way the guy does things. I just don't think it'd, it'd be a very good fit. I'm not sure it'd be interesting. I'm not saying he couldn't do it by right. any means. I'm right. just saying that based on our current um, styling from him, I mean, I just don't think it'd fit very well. I, I think the Man of Steel, you know, might be as good as it can be um, as far as tone. Sure. I, I think that that hits the nail on the head pretty well. And that's just not really, in my opinion, his style. It's definitely a lot more, you know, comedy, a lot more um, jokes. Right. And, and, and I think there's a little more heart in there in most things. Um, usually, you know, like the Yondu scene and, you know, the, all the Gamora stuff is very, you know, heart filled. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't know if that would necessarily, he would necessarily lend a, a huge hand to a, to a new Superman, Superman film. That's all the news I have. Okay. Well, the last thing I've got really, so they've, uh, so a bunch of legendary comic creators have all, Joined together with a company called, uh, USA, or US, America, no, hang on, what's it called? It's USA America. No, Operation USA. God, that was terrible. <laughs> the company is Operation USA, and they are putting together a anthology book for raising money for helping people in the Ukraine. So the book is going to be called Comics for Ukraine Sunflower Seeds is the name of the book. And it's designed, and they're going to do a hardcover and softcover version. Uh, it's uh, going to be 96 pages, and the name, the amount of people on it, it's crazy. Like, the hardcover version is going to have a Alex Ross cover, and that's the only way the hardcover is going to come out, is with a with the Alex Ross cover. Softcovers are going to have Arthur Adams doing one, uh, Bill Sinkovich doing one, and I think it was David Johnson on the other one. I can't remember who the third one was. Uh, but all three of those, uh, as far as releases, are going to be softcover, so they won't do hardcover versions of them. Uh, but it's 96 pages of story, 
And uh, as far as like, I, as far as people, man, it's crazy. Like they've got Mark Wade, Brett Anderson, Jill Thompson, uh, Sergio Argones, uh, Chris Spencer, Kurt Busick, uh, Howard Shakin, uh, Rob Gilry, John Lehman, Stan Sakai, Matt w- Wagner. Like there's, that's just like some of the names. I'm like, well, I know these names. There's a lot of other ones I'm like, I, they're recognized, but couldn't automatically tell you what they've worked on. So like, it's, it's crazy. Like, it's really cool. Um, so the group that's putting it out, it's going through a crowdfunding, uh, group called Zoop, Z-O-O-P. So if you want to get it, it's on Zoop right now. Um, I, the soft covers are 40 bucks. The hardcover, I think was 60. I don't remember what the hardcover was. Uh, but they have versions of it you can buy that are autographed, uh, versions that you can buy that aren't autographed. So t-shirts, there's all kinds of things they have on there going to go along with this promotion to, raise money to help uh displaced kids and families in Ukraine. So like it's it's really pretty cool that the group of them are doing it and it's neat that they have as many people on it as they as they do. I mean it's not like the first time anybody's ever put together something like that, but it's really kinda cool they're doing it. So if you want to get on board with it or just check it out, I mean Zoop is the OP and then add uh comics for Ukraine and I'm sure you'll find it. So I think that's pretty neat. That's cool. I mean it's a cool bunch of people donating all their work and talent and time. Uh, so outside of cost for the printing, the books, everything else goes to uh, the uh, Operation USA to help stranded folks in Ukraine and whatnot. Sure. So, I don't know. I think it's pretty cool um, as a thing if you're into any of those names. Like I said, there's a lot of other names on there. And I'm just like, man, this is crazy. Because it's new people, old people. It's great. It's awesome. Anyhow. I lied. Huh. You have one, one piece? more. Okay, yeah. what do you got? Uh, what do you know about Han Solo and Chewbacca comic? Um, that issue one's the first, the only one out so far. Okay. So apparently in number five, uh-huh. they're going to explain the, what happened with Greedo and why he's after them. Oh, okay. And yeah. So they're going to just be bounty from Jabba? Correct. Ah. Apparently Greedo, according to this article from screenrant.com, they're, Guessing that Greedo was a part of a job and Solo nicked him out of the job, and that's why Greedo. I mean, be part of the course, so right? that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All like, right. that's, a, that's a cool little tidbit. It's like, I'd read that. No, that's interesting. Yeah, the first issue for so far is out for it. Um, I mean, art's good. I mean, I haven't really had a chance to read it other than you just check out. I mean, I flipped through it, but I sure really read it. So, but yeah, as far as the thing, I understand the way I understand it, it's ongoing right now. So, I guess we'll see if that stays, but. If they're talking about issue five and it being like a setup, like backstory piece. Sure, yeah. I'd say the series is probably destined for a longer run than just five issues or something. Yeah. It's pretty neat. I'm I'm excited. No, that's cool. Yeah, as far as stories, I mean, they've got a lot of really good Star Wars stuff coming out right now. I mean, the main series for Vader is being written by Greg Pak, and it's that's awesome. That's still going? Oh, well, so it, it's not the same run as probably when you were reading yeah. before. So there's been... We're currently on our third volume of Vader. Okay. Um... So the first series ran 25 issues. The second one ran 25 issues. And where they take place in time is very different. Uh, the very first one, when it, when all this stuff started over at Marvel, as the modern Star Wars, it's not the 70s stuff, the books were taking place after Hope, but before Empire. And that's where those stories set. Vader ended at 25, and then we started a brand, brand new Vader series that picked up after Revenge of the Sith, but before Rogue One. Okay. So the second volume of stuff, which also ran 25 issues, took place in the past compared to the other series. 
Uh, you come to the modern series right now, or the current series, and we are now after Empire pretty much with everything book-wise except for High Republic. And I guess Solo must be... The Solo one must be set someplace else. I don't really... Since I haven't read it, I don't know where it sits. Okay. Um, but everything else is after Empire, but before Return of the Jedi. Because all the other books are done with Hanbi and Carbonite, which is why the Solo and Chewie book has to be someplace different. Right. So maybe before... Hope that would make sense with the Greedo story. It's got yeah, it's got to so be it's before, hope, be before yeah. hope. Yeah, uh, but yeah, place in the world. All those other storylines are, are having the same same time frame again, and the Vader story that was going on right now. I assume will end at number twenty five, only because the other ones did too. Okay, uh, but so far, I mean, I don't feel like it's been announced. So, but Greg Pak's writing the current current ones, but as far as series are concerned, uh, they don't quite land the same way because all the other Star Wars stuff. Savor what's happening new it has not been be during the hope time frame. So, okay. but yeah, or before hope. Anyway, yeah. So neither of you guys got this last piece of news. I'm gonna share with you because neither of you said it. I'm gonna say no. My, how it's blowing my mind, and you were literally just on the website. You were just on screen right, and you didn't see this. I wasn't on the website. I, I saved that for earlier. Go ahead. So on April 26th, they're gonna release the original Doctor Strange movie on Blu-ray. No way. The one from the 80s. For the 70s? No, no. Yeah, from 1970. Really? That's crazy. I just blows my mind. I was like waiting for you guys because you no. said you had a bunch and you said you had a bunch. I was just like, well, well, you probably both have this, I would assume. And then I'm like, really? That's you guys cool. Have That's yeah. way cool. Because yeah. there's, there's, there's two Captain America movies from back in the day. Yeah. And there's this movie, and this one takes place, um, I think, before, right in the middle of the two. Well, as far as release? Oh, yeah. I can um, tell you. No, no. This takes place before both of them. Actually, both Captain America films. Sure. So, um, anyway, just yeah, do so really seeing on Blu-ray for it's up for pre-order for twenty six ninety nine. Nineteen seventy eight. Yeah, Peter Hooten. It's absolutely crazy. Wow. He used to be on YouTube. I bet you it's probably not anymore thanks to Disney Plus. But man, that's wild. Did that mean some point we'll get a version of Fantastic Four? <laughs> That'd be hilarious if they did. Um, I thought they already released that. Uh, not that I'm aware of. Not as a real, not as a real no, thing. No, yeah, I not, thought they released it on DVD. Uh, I mean, if they did, I never saw it. I would like to see the old Flash shows. I remember watching those. Oh, that's out. Those around, yeah. yeah. That actually might yeah. be on Plex. I really enjoyed those when I was a I'm kid. Like, I'm like 95 might be. on Plex. Those were cool. It was. I know it was released on DVD package. Yeah, I knew. I knew they'd been released. I yeah, guess. But yeah. When it comes to the Fantastic Four, like that thing used to be the only way you can get it is a bootleg of a bootleg of a bootleg. Sure. So if there's a version they released on a DVD, I, I guess I never. I guess I haven't bought the look in a while because I got a VHS version of it from Duplicant. But you have a VHS thing, player? I mean, yes. Man, you're in storage. You're, you're a year old. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you have one here. Yeah. I don't think I even have a VHS anymore. I got rid See, of all. That's 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 why it's I okay. I held on to Secret of Nim as long as I could. That was like my childhood movie. Sure, it's fantastic. I, I love that film and I love the books and uh, I I held on as long as I could and then finally I was like. I, I get it. I Man, yeah. you should have kept it. You could have let the DVD or the seed the the the, 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 the the player go. The player go. That was hard to. Get I threw a bunch of VHS where it was on. That's sad. Why? Just sad. But why though? I because that stuff is never. I mean, I guess if it does come back in the fashion, it'll be like records now. Some some VHSs are super expensive. Mm, no. Some of them are. Mm. Oh yeah. Those if they're unopened, like in the original box, sure. I mean. Yeah, but I mean, who has an unopened original VHS in a box of like some yeah. rare bootleg copy of? Yeah, I don't know about some, that. You know, like Blue yeah. Velvet. 
that's kind of like that's that that's kind of the rare stuff, you know what I mean? Like because yeah. there were so many VHSs made, like every rental store had fifty, co- oh, yeah. sixty copies of everything. No, no, like, what was happening back in the day? It was a it was a big thing, man. Yeah. I'm sorry, I lied again. I have one more piece in here. All right, Charlie Theron is apparently producing an Aqualad inspired series for HBO Max. Huh. Okay. But why? I don't know. But why? Yeah, I don't know. That's uh why? I don't I don't know. I mean Aqualad's cool, but I but why? Yeah, I don't know. Get That's Aquaman it. right first, man. Well the movie was okay. I like the movie. The first one? Yeah. I mean, well I guess we'll see what the second one does, but it's okay. Interesting. Does it say if it's live action or animated or just says it, 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 it just says that she's doing it? Well, I don't know. She has some free time. That second atomic blonde's not happening, I guess, but I never saw that. Was that any good? Oh, it's great. I need to check that out. Yeah, it's fantastic. I thought they were doing more Old Guard, but apparently that's not happening anywhere. That's a Netflix mistake, probably. The first one was good. 2 didn't come out? No, it hasn't. Yeah, yeah, he's saying it hasn't. Oh, I was like, what? They were talking about doing a sequel. Yeah. But it hasn't. That's what I just said, yeah. That hasn't come out yet. That was when he had free time. He was reading. He couldn't. Oh, right. He was. Gotcha. Yeah, so as a thing, I mean, I guess she has time to do stuff, so cool. Apparently. I mean, all right. All right. Anything else? I could go on and on and stuff. All right. You want to move into some, move into some books? Let's do it. All right. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. Josh, you want to tell us a story about Bab and Beyond? Switching things up here. I usually jump on the Batman book, but... So, Batman Beyond, New Year, Chapter 1, Gotham Sword. Um, this is written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, and is drawn by Max Dunbar. Um, this book picks up shortly after an... Uh, what did you say? An else... There's a, so, there's a series called uh, Batman Urban Legends. That's an anthology series. And it, uh, issue 7 has one of the stories inside issue 7 is a Batman Beyond story. Um, but yeah, the whole series, uh, Urban Legends is a batch of anthology books. So that one issue had a setup story for Batman Beyond to lead to this. Yes, yeah, so that, that basically, that, that ends right with this, kind of where this picks up. And that, I guess what we've done some research, unfortunately, sorry, like none of us have like are super in the Batman Beyond. Um, but I guess the Bat computer has taken over. And yeah. It is now referred to as she or Gotham. So I guess that's where this picks up. And it talks about um, it, it is speaking or she is speaking at the beginning of two months ago as New Year's fireworks lit up my darkened skies. I awoke. And that's where it picks up. Um, it's talking about how um, the computer opened a billion eyes and reached out with infinite tendrils um, and hadn't been alive for five minutes when she killed Bruce Wayne somehow. And within the hour, criminals shot one another for money. Companies bought and sold one another at whim. And all this chaos is going on. It's like nobody knows. And then the next page opens up with a big awesome spread. And it's uh, Batman Beyond. Terry McGinnis and says, except me. It starts day one where he's like, I finally found paper in this neon city. I'm going analog seems to be the only way I can guarantee secrecy. And so he like Terry's like talking to himself. Um, but like writing it down because like everything's being watched. Uh, everything's being, like 1984 style where like there's cameras and microphones and whatever. It's just everything's like, and so he can't do anything. Um, and it skips a day. Teens like 
15 muggings, two assaults, one kidnapping, all, um, one kidnapping rescue unsuccessful. Every thug with a gun, um, got pinged the minute I touched down. Gotham had them on speed dial and her crime rate doesn't budge. Her being Gotham, I'm assuming still. Yeah. Um, referring to the city as a lady. Day 37, three muggings, eight assaults, feeling like an upswing before the bombings in Doyle Heights. Prime suspect, Batman. I'm invisible now. The city barely notices. Day 55, I swear, Bruce, I swear I'll keep fighting. Um, Terry swings into his own apartment that's like a, uh, and throws down his, his suit, and he says, activate dead zone. And it says, day number 60, Batman's legacy is still alive, Bruce, that much I can do. But it took the Vultures only 60 days to come for everything else. So he's just been going nonstop for 60 days trying to, like, help. But it seems like no matter what he does, like, the city just, like, thwarts him. Yeah. And I think basically what it is that um, we'll get into a little bit later is, like, it's, it's uh, killing people, like, getting rid of people, getting rid of things to try and keep, like, the numbers down. Um, Terry's walking through the city, and it says, Wayne Powers, new leadership, new direction, new legacy. And uh, he's like, after New Year's, your company needed a new CEO, and the building needed a top floor. We took the construction rails down a week ago, just in time to announce who'd be sitting in the chair. A bold visionary, a market disruption, tour de force, and also a former crime lord from what's left of Bloodhaven. Um, I think it's actually Bloodhaven. Blood. Blood. It's got the U um, with the little dots above it. His name is Donovan Lumos. Um, Eye to the sky, Gotham. The holographic man is coming. The holographic man. Um, his name is Donovan Donovan Lumos, but the papers call him the holographic man. And then shows Terry, and he's like, he's picking up a suit. He's getting ready to go to a um, a party. And as he's in there, like some gangsters come in and like try to shake somebody down. And then it shows like the gangsters like smash through the window because Terry just took care of it. He's like, I'm not dealing with this. And he's like, I shouldn't have done that. The city could definitely get it picked up on that. But he's like, I don't care. I have, I can't stand by away. Innocence, like innocence. Things happen to innocent people. Um, he's like, because I won't stop Bruce because Batman endures. And uh, then it flashes forward to um, Don- the party that Terry was going to go to, and Donovan Lumos is there, and he's like, super crazy, um, bright light, white, bluish suit, like gl- like shooting lights, like very flamboyant. He's like, to a future made of purest light. He's like, I know, I know, terrible rhyme. I should be ashamed. I'm serious. It's hard to see light sometimes, and he like he turns his stuff off, and he's like basically a black suit, and he's like very like cybernetic, like all sorts of things going on. And he's like, "Hey, you know, I've spent my whole life finding it. I was a poor kid in fear, and I had to I had to scrap to survive. Not a lot of light under the polluted skies of Blue Haven. And if I'm being honest, my innovations in hard light holographics only bore fruit because I wanted to use them to rob banks and and look Shway doing it. And then I saw it." The light was mine to control, and I was hoarding it. This technology didn't need to be limited to my ambition. It could grow beyond. It could give everyone the ability to see the most of themselves at all times. Project clothes. Protect your skin. Shine your light by Lumos. And so basically, this guy's created, like, projected light clothes and suits and things, which is neat. And uh, he's as he's doing this presentation, he sees Terry, and he's like, he's like, yo, is that Terry McGinnis? Man, I've been I've been so psyched to meet you. Bruce Wayne was an was an icon. He was a legend. Really cool that you got to know that old guy. But must have sucked to not, to not know him in his prime. And Terry's like, keep Bruce Wayne's n- name out of your mouth, Lumos. He's like, gonna be kind of hard, Terry. After all, but what 
Terry did is like put a little tracking device on Lumos. He's like, going to be hard because I, you know, I run his company. Terry goes, he almost makes me, but I'm, but I'm prepared. I need to know what Gotham has planned. He's like, I hate this guy. And that makes me sloppy. And I want to mess him up, but I, you know, I stay, I stay with it because her patsy, what her patsy provides, there it is, clear as day, superstitious and cowardly. Just like you always said, is Gotham playing the Wayne Powers board using Lumos as the latest crook in, in a legacy of corruption? Or was Wayne Powers setting off a light show to hide what Gotham was going and was doing in the dark? I don't know. So I need I need the best detective left in Gotham. And he swings onto a top top building. And uh, Barbara Gordon's there, and she's the commissioner now, which she has been. Yeah, 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 and she is in the show. Yeah, for you know, since the beginning of the show, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she yeah. says she was the commissioner since the beginning of Batman Beyond the animated, mm-hmm. and everything else for it. And then uh, she's talking to a younger female cop, and uh, she said, Commissioner Gordon, you maybe maybe you want to be a cop. You know, I don't want to quit on you, but I'm a good cop, and the department is wasting me. You're the only one who can do anything about it. If you think one person can do anything about the way that the GCPD really works, maybe you really aren't detective material after all. Now get off my roof. And so, like, this young girl, like, slams the door. And Barbara's outside, and she's like, thanks for waiting until she was gone. That would have been awkward. And uh, Terry's like, yeah, she seemed nice. He's like, uh, Bean Boonma, whatever the opposite of nice is, she is. She spent her whole life cons- cornering the market. Great cop, though. And and he's like, sounds like somebody I know. Is like, she's like, ha. Out with it, I'm cold. He's like, well, Donald Lumos is using Wayne Powers to smuggle illicit pharmaceuticals into the city, turning them around in the streets into street drugs. And she's like, asks, like, do you have evidence? He's like, I have, I have a bugged confession. And she's like, well, turn it over. We'll look into it. He's like, I'm not asking permission. She's like, Terry, if that were true, you wouldn't have to say it. And she's like, I'm glad you flew by, though. If you're going to go throwing yourself at a bunch of rich drug smugglers with more guns than you have teeth, you might as well hear this. I'm retiring. And he's like, she's like, I've been doing this, been at this game too many years, too many people dead, too many friends. And he's like, Barbara, this, this is a mistake. And she's like, well, because the city needs me, I don't think it does anymore. Bruce and I built this department into something that could last longer than us. The GCPD was corrupt, broken, useless. Now it keeps the city safe. It may still be accessible for some real scumbags. We may take shots at, you know, and, you know, now and again, and and the mayor may run us with an iron fist, but the crime rate is flat, Terry. And he's like, doesn't that worry you? And she's like, no, it makes me glad. It's it's a life's work. And basically, Gotham is skewing, skewing the numbers. Yeah. So it's not really true. He even he's, mentions that when he's like, I can't break her heart. He's like, I can't, I can't tell her about Gotham. I can't tell her that nothing she's done matters. That she has to keep fighting. She'd be dead the minute I left. So I take to the night for both of us. Wayne Powers' newest Super Bowl transport is scheduled to unload tonight. This much security means there's something worth guarding. They might as they might as well point point a sign. Everything is train or er, training. Stop trying to get better, and you become obsolete. I can practically hear you say it. Practice the basics until they're instinct. Hone your instincts into perfect tool. Have the perfect tool for every job. Always have a plan and a second and a third. Never fight angry, but above all else. And then I was never be surprised. And out of the darkness, this crazy, gigantic samurai-looking guy who looks like uh, almost like like a Rob Layfield or you know Jim Lee, even like from the '90s design, big holographic sword, um, crazy like white silver hair, 
like a flowing cape. Um, comes out of nowhere and swings at Batman Beyond and says, Batman is dead and, and Batman remains. Nothing is ever lost. The city just needs to find balance. And, uh, Terry says, whoever he is, he's not in your files. No rogues gallery, iconography, not a reboot, something new, which means I have to hope I have the right tools for the job. And as Terry flies away, he's like, okay, beat poet with a flying sword. Let's see how he can keep up in the air. And he's like, any internal monologue, he said, he's matching the speed in the air. Maybe he's even faster. Relying on his blade, but for good reason. It can counter anything I have to throw at him. Well, not everything. And uh, he kicks the guy in the face, knocks him to the ground. His sword flies out of his hand. He's like, stand down. This won't go well for you or for Gotham. You're her free agent, right? And uh, the, the guy says, I am its sword. The city is not your enemy, Batman. It does not want your head. It wants your heart, your compliance. The, and it says, the supplies you destroyed would have evenly distributed through the bur- through the boroughs. 8,300 people would have been hospitalized for their addictions. 3,500 would have died. And he's like, would have, past tense, you've lost. There's no winning, Batman, or losing. There's only re- reality, hard numbers. There are 3,500 people currently under your, our feet. I have, I've been sent to keep the line flat. And then the gigantic explosion happens on a big skyscraper. And, uh, Terry flies, like, flies backwards as the explosion happens. Like, I swear, Bruce, I swear I'll keep fighting. Batman endures. So what I gather basically is it like, is it him exploding? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I thought I took it as it was the guy exploding. Did you? I think the guy set off the explosion. Okay. Yeah. But like, but Terry's flying backwards because the explosion happened. Got it. Got it. Okay. But, um, I think, like, I don't know if it's what it is, if it's maybe some sort of, like, as Lumos has those light clothes and stuff, maybe they can, like, create light people as well. It's, like, like beings that can, like, sure. maybe are also explosives. Like, maybe Gotham has figured out how to use those in a weapon-esque fashion. That's the way that I kind of gathered it. We- weaponized the Lumos. Yeah, okay. somehow. Um, That's cool. And the explosion's all bright but, light. Yeah, it's all white, yeah. yeah. But because they were going to kill all these people with drug overdoses and, like, keep the line flat because those people would have caused crimes because they were, like, petty petty theft or whatever to get sure, drugs. Sure. They keep them dead. It keeps the line flat. And that's what they're doing. They're just killing who would normally be... The demographic that yeah. would be, you know, the criminals. So I think that was probably, like, a, a, a more, like... A, you know, low, low income. Well, it says the narrow. So yeah. Yeah. Billy, yeah. When it's like, talking about the people they were planning to kill versus the people that, but the billion that explodes is in the, in yeah. that, in that area. So like they're causing, causing it to happen anyway. Does he say the narrows or was it burrows? I, I don't remember. I'm just curious. Yeah. There's, you know, the reason that like we're, we're going through this, like I don't, I, I, I'm not the biggest Bur- burrows, not narrows. Sorry. Yeah. I'm not the biggest Batman Beyond like follower. I don't. I mean, I know that he's a pretty popular character. I I I watched the show when it was out. You know, sure. like I like the little like the little things that they did, like the little the, like the little monk kid that was the Green Lantern. I thought he was cool. Um, was it the Justice? Uh, Whoever did the uh, it was unlimited. No, um, Justice Justice League Unlimited. That was no. the cartoon. There was like they they called something like the Justice. Yeah, it was. So, I can't remember. What yeah, it was they called. had a different name. Mm. It was the future Justice League. Justice League Beyond, maybe? It might have been Beyond, yeah. That would make sense, tiling wise. Yeah. But I'm having trouble remembering it. If you can find it over there. Because we had a Hawkman, a version of Hawkman, the right. Green Lantern Kid. 
Uh, Superman, which is still Superman, just the white in his hair. Uh, Wonder Woman, which is still Wonder Woman. Justice League Unlimited. Unlimited. There you go. Okay. Yeah, as far as like a series, they did a batch of books with those characters. There's like a Hawkman, like a, mm-hmm. a Wonder or a Wonder Woman of some sort, like a Green Lantern, like a young kid, and then there's a an Aqua Woman of some sort. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh okay, yeah. I remember that Superman suit for sure. It's very uh but yeah, um Kingdom Come looking. Oh sure. The style of that's for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they appeared in, I feel like they appeared in the animated series at least once, too. But they had a series of books that, I don't know, now it's been several years since it happened. I couldn't even tell you how long. I get confused with Young Justice League, too, because that is kind of futuristic. Like the, uh... The, the animated. Oh, sure. Yep. Did you actually get a score for that book? You know, I give it a 3.75. I mean, the art I thought was really good. It's it's it reads okay. Like I think the flow of it. My issue is like if you don't know a ton, like I didn't. Like we had to do we as a table, but like also me by myself had to do a little bit of research to figure out what was going on because I was like I don't know what he's talking about, and I had a lot of questions. But like the art was fantastic. I mean, I thought like for what it is, the art's really really good. It's very like late nineties, um, like image. It's very it's very reminiscent of the show. I, I mean, it's. Not not in an in a um, animation standpoint, but in a in a art style, it's very reminiscent of the show. I feel like to me, it reminds me a lot of like that late nineties, like the not late nineties, like the mid nineties, like the Young Blood, um, Wildcats, like that early like image stuff, kind of flashy. Yeah, it's real bright and like colorful and like real like almost a little bit of a, a tinge of anime to it, to, but like but like very well done. Um, the villain at the end, like the, was very like it would be a character in, you know, anyone like any one of those books, anything that like Layfield would have done, or like I said, you know, like, like Wildcats, Jim Lee style, any of that stuff, like yeah. yeah. But uh, I mean, it was good. Three seven five, like I'm, you know, I, I don't know. I'm curious to where it goes with this. It. Interesting that the city itself is the actual villain, like overall, like it's it's kind of cool idea. But again, I don't know a lot of, a lot about it. But yeah, it was good. Cool. Uh, Mr. Brown? It seems in the beginning here that this is um, the back computer talking, I'm guessing, because it talks about yeah, we went up, uh, a, it killing Bruce Wayne. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I didn't catch that the first time around. Yeah, he said that early on. Okay. That, uh, that it it took over. Right, point. right, yeah, right. So like it computer, became an AI and like kind of... Like they don't, in that miniseries, or the, not miniseries, one shot, that's where that stuff happens. And like the computer itself becomes awake or becomes alive the best best we can understand i mean unless it's somebody driving the boat for the computer which is possible sure uh, but what happens in that book is yeah the ai itself becomes awake or then becomes an ai and in the process of doing that um well batman's part of the problem right so right it winds up blowing up and killing bruce wayne which part of the reason the building had to be rebuilt is because that's where that happened okay. so like at least from what we can understand from the one shot if Batman Bruce Wayne is really dead, it's because the computer killed him. Right. Perfect. And so, yeah, the, the monologues were at the beginning, the black and red lettering. Yeah, was the, the computer. I, like I said, I didn't catch that. I didn't catch it because it's it starts off monologuing, and then it's like, I killed Bruce Wayne however many days ago, and then he says, ex- everyone, or no one knows, and then Terry says, except me. So it kind of breaks the fourth wall there, I thought. It does. Um, 
I, I'd, I'd give it a three, three. Yeah, I'll give it, I'll give it a three and a half. Um, I, I love Terry. Um, I love the Batman Beyond universe. I think the animated show did a lot better job as far as making it this um, high tech world. I think some of the the, the shots in this that uh, the, the large panels that involve the city could be a little bit more bumped up as far as tech goes, almost that cyberpunk looking kind of thing, um, especially with the word Neo on, on the on the front page. But the art's great. Um, the thing I like about the art, and I had kind of talked about this with Josh earlier, is the little nuances it has. So these bats on the on the cover are you know perfect, and they have the red underneath them. Um, the the uh, jet streams that come out of his boots, even in the small panels, are perfect. They have these little circles around them, and they're just done really, really well. Right, they look really cool. Yeah, they look really cool. Um, the bad guy's great, um, even though we don't know kind of who he is, or, or excuse me, I should I should say the sword guy. Because the bad guy technically is um, the holographic man or whatever, but um, it's really, really cool looking. Um, kind of reminds his symbol. Kind of reminds me of a priest, almost like a double cross. Um, oh, it does kind of have a double cross look to it, yeah. even though it's upside down. Yeah, his sword kind of has the same thing. It's it got does. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd give it a three and a half. I, I I did enjoy it a lot. Cool. CBS. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'd follow suit and give it three and a half as well. Uh, Book wise, I mean, it's it's entertaining. It's neat. Like I, I again, one of those from Batman Beyond days that loved the show when it was happening and all the stuff they done from that. I mean, even even the stories where we had Tim Drake as Batman Beyond, I liked a lot too. So like, when it comes to storylines, just the character and the 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 styling of the costume and stuff, I like a lot. I mean, the Tim Drake stuff is very far removed from what's happening now, and since it, it was undone by time, it's not really a thing that ever happened, at least in the uh, hierarchy of the stories. But it was really cool. And as far as, like, stories are concerned, this first issue is a pretty cool setup. I mean, it's a miniseries. I want to say it's six parts, if I remember right. So it's not, like, horribly long. Sure. But as far as, like, style of book, it's interesting that it's not just the, the city, but the back computer taking over the city. And Well, and then lying to the police about it, because... Real problem, yeah. Like Gordon knows nothing about it. Everything else happening appears to be normal to everyone, except right. for Terry. So, like, that's, that's a pretty cool island to be on for a story. I mean... It sucks for him, but yeah, it's really pretty neat idea. Do you remember the animated series opening, um, like theme song? Oh yeah, that thing slapped, dude. Oh yeah, <laughs> so good. That's always that is always one of the biggest things. Like from my childhood, I'm like, man, the Batman Beyond opening, so good. Oh yeah. Anyways, sorry. good stuff. See, so for there, we move on to the uh, Alice Ever After. This is uh, comes out from Boom Studios. This is also issue number one. It is uh, created and written by Dan Pinojian, and uh, it's illustrated by uh, Giorgio Spalletta and uh, Dan Pinojian also. Uh, so this is a take on Alice in Wonderland after the the initial Alice in Wonderland story, hence the title Ever After. Uh, so when the, the book first picks up, we are treated to some uh, monologue or... Uh, Internal dialogue? Yeah. It's like a mix of internal dialogue and... Narration. Narration. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the narration, when you see the boxes, each of the boxes has a conversation happen between two cats. And the cats are depicted, which is which is nice. It does tell you what cat is speaking. Right. So each of the boxes has a different cat heads inside of them to help you understand which cat is telling you the story. And uh, they are talking about how Alice is out um, carousing. And uh, we see inside, well, first we see a guy outside smoking a cigarette, 
and he's staring inside very glaringly, like ominous style. And inside, we pull back, we see a little girl playing with a bunny rabbit, and uh, she's blonde, and they're very Alice-like, but that's a, that's a fall guy for us, because then we see older Alice, and she's in the process of uh, like putting on her makeup and checking her, her face in the mirror. Probably mid-twenties would be my guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she's not she's not old lady, but she's no. not... I mean, she's no longer a child. Yes. And like, uh, as the cats are talking about her, they're also talking about her her, I guess, status in the world is what it would be. Uh, have a, she's having a hard time, and she's always out sneaking out of the house and coming, coming looking for looking worse for every time she does it, and, and it, it's just, it's just a Interesting depiction of when the cats are talking, and they talk about her father and how he's a he's a doctor of dentistry, and as far as dentistry in that world, it was, was a very prestigious job. Even the way families work, she could easily be her carousing could easily get him in trouble as a doctor. Anyway, so we we get inside the shop, and at this point, we still have the cats talking, and we see the shopkeep watching Alice, and she's right next to where the little girl is, and. Um, as the little girl's playing, she looks out the window and we wind up seeing her, uh, looking to the dude in the street and, uh, they tell us who that guy is. That guy's Mortimer and turns out Mortimer, uh, is basically Alice's drug dealer. And, uh, he also works at one of the, uh, as an orderly, which is where he collects and gets his drugs from. So he steals them from the hospital. And, uh, Alice is in the process of sticking the bunny rabbit into her bag. So she's robbing the store to be able to pay for drugs and what's happening. And uh, this is the first time we get actual dialogue, is when she gets caught by the shopkeeper. He's like, all right, Alice, that's enough of that. I'm, I'm calling the Bobbies, calling your father. It's time this is over. She goes, oh, it's not what you think, sir. I, I was just putting it away to, to buy it, for, to buy it for, the, for the little girl. He's like, oh, I know what you were doing. You're faulting or, over these shenanigans. So you, basically, she's done it before. He's known she's done it before, so he's in the process of this time being done with it. And about that time, we see a very nice glove tuck the man on the shoulder and says, excuse me, sure, if I may. And we turn around and we see that this is this well-to-do businessman. And he says, uh, I believe that uh, there's a bit of misunderstanding. I think I was shopping for my niece for her birthday. Uh, I, I do believe the toys for her. And, he, and the shop keeps like, what? What are you talking about? And so he basically winds up bailing her out of the problem and buying the stuffed rabbit for the, the niece. And, of course, Alice explains it away as being that's that's truth and... The shopkeep, of course, isn't really buying it, but because this guy is uh, well re well recognized in the community, he uh, winds up letting it basically slip. Well, he says there's there could be a couple taxes that you're paying that you don't necessarily have to be. Oh yeah, I'll take a look at your books and kind of gets Alice off the hook. Right. So he yeah he dangles another piece of carrot in front of the, the shopkeep to make him do it, and. Uh, so the three of them wind up leaving the store, and she's got the the bunny rabbit for the, and gives it to the little girl. Well, as she's putting it in the little girl's hands, Mortimer runs up and grabs it out of her hands, and he's you know acts like a jerk and grabs Alice to me lead her away. And she's talking to the guy, and clearly we find out that at some point this guy was around a little bit more, and he's sort of sought after as a, a well-to-do dude in town. His name's Mister Proud, so right. yeah, he's he's. He, I think he says in the beginning what he's he's on some kind of board or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's like a councilman or something. Yeah, because yeah. whenever he talks about the city taxes, that's what he's using that power from. I can't remember what they say about yeah. where he's from, but he's a uh, he's a good catch for the city. He's in a position of power for sure, right? And uh, of course, at the, as far as the whole scenario goes, Alice would let the girl little girl take the bunny rabbit, but of course, Mortimer wants it to pay for drugs, and so he winds up grabbing the rabbit and leads Alice away, and that leaves her, like, saying goodbye to, to, to Mr. Proud, and we get back to the kids, and the, 
or we get back to the cats, and the cat's like, oh, that's so rude. Mortimer is just always so rude in talking about his behavior and how he just constantly is a, a problem. And Mr. Proud watches the two of them leave, and you can see his face. He's not happy either. Anyway, we get around the corner, and Mortimer's like, oh, rabbit, what, what is this going to do? I can't do anything with this doll. I have to pay this money back. And, like, he gets, like, sort of slappy with her. Yeah, he looks like he's going to beat her. Yeah, he's going to smack her. And he winds up telling her, well, I can only give you this a little bit. And so we see the bottle, and the bottle looks designed like one of those bottles that was an eat-me-drink-me bottle. And she's like, it's half empty. And he's like, well, that's all you get for this amount. I owe all this money I got to pay back. We got to do better than this. And so, of course, she starts to crying, and he continues to, to prattle on. It's a jerk. And then we fast forward to later that evening when she's returning home, and it's, it's the night. And the cats talk a little bit more about how sweet it is for Ludwig to leave the manor door open. Ludwig's the, uh, I guess the butler, he'd be the yes. Alfred. And, uh, or the lurch. Or the lurch, yeah. In this, in this. And the cats talk about how he's, he's always so good to make sure she's got food when she gets home and how he looks after her, even with her behavior. And then she gets to the door, of course she knocks on it because she doesn't expect it to be open. He opens it, lets her in, and tells her to ask food for her. And she gets inside and we wind up meeting her two sisters. The older sister, who's a real stick in the mud, uh, Edith. And then uh, her younger sister, whose name I don't remember. I don't know if they say it. They might not. But the younger sister still has, a, I don't know, fame for Alice, whereas the older sister's done with her. Correct. And, uh, of course, she tells I'm going to tell Daddy you're out. What are you doing all day? And she tells him that she saw Mortimer. She's like, ah, you can't be seeing that man. And the older sister just goes at her like a mom, which makes sense. I mean, she's even if she is a mean lady, she's sort of looking out, I guess. Anyway, eventually, Father comes in the room, and he hears Mortimer's name. He's like, more, Mortimer, no, no more Mortimer, not again. And he basically tells Alice she has to go to her room, and she's going to be confined to the house, and there's a lot, not a lot to do things. And, uh, you know, she doesn't behave like a small kid at that point. She continues to talk to her sisters, and eventually, she winds up excusing herself in a fashion they didn't notice she did it. Yeah, no, she kind of she sneaks, sneaks out yeah. of the scenario of yeah. them talking, leaving them to talk about her when she's not there uh, to sneak up to her room, where, of course, she's there to join the cats, which we find that the cat snow, Snowdrop, uh, oh, gosh, they say the other one's name, but I can't remember what it is. So she comes in there, oh, kitties, finally happy faces. I'm so glad both of you missed me. And, of course, both the cats are like, oh, that's us. It's Snowdrop and Kitty. Oh, Kitty is the name. Kitty's okay. The name, yeah. yeah, it's Snowdrop and Kitty. And, of course, the cats are both happy to see her. You know, they come around her feet and want them to be petted and as she talks to them, she talks about how it's going to be great to go to Wonderland and finally escape. And the two cats are like, uh, wait for it. And we see her pop a couple of pills from the bottle, and she basically passes directly out on the floor. Um, so, I mean, there's that. Uh, from there, we turn to the next page, and the art style, it, it changes drastically. Um, which, I mean, like I said, it's two different artists on it. I think this is more Dampinogen style from just the style what he draws. And we join Alice in a very nice white flower-studded dress, and she comes walking into the what looks like a garden-type area. And uh, there's a big banner, Welcome home, Alice! And we have the White Rabbit and the Mad Hatter and the, the Turtle and all these characters from the story. And they're very happy to see her, and they're glad she's in time for her unbirthday. And uh, they all tell her not to forget they all got her presents for her unbirthday. She's like, oh, well, I didn't get you guys anything. And they're like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's, you know, it's all great. And they start giving her her presents as she opens them. The walrus is there, too, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, as she's opening them, well, every one of the presents is the stuffed rabbit from the day at the shop. And she talks about how it would be great to give one of them to um, uh, Mr. Proud's niece. niece. 
And then they take to having tea, and as this is all going on, eventually Mr. Proud even shows up. And he has tea with him, and she gives him one of the, the rabbits to give to his niece. And about the time we hear knocking on the door, and we see Alice wake up on the floor. And from outside the door, we have the father yelling. He's like, Alice, open this door at once. Does she think we're all daft? Does she think she can do this all again? And, uh, of course, the older sister is just like, that's what she does, because she's, you know, an angry lady. And so the father goes on a little bit about how he can't stand for this and we have to do something finally. And if we don't take care of this now, it's going to become a major problem. And he talks about how he's going to handle it. And the sister is very, the older sister is very happy about it. And the younger sister is like, feel sorry for her. From there, we cut to Alice sneaking out of the house in the middle of the night. And uh, again, we get some voiceover from the cats. They talk about how the choices she makes at night for herself aren't the best choices. And they're not really sure where she's going, what she's doing. And well, of course, she's sneaking away to the hospital, the insane asylum, to uh, get more drugs from Mortimer. And, of course, she meets Mortimer at the gate, and he's there to give her some more drugs, and he's super angry because he's in the process of having to deal with these two other, meet, meet these two other guys he owes money to. So we get to that part of things, the two other dudes show up, and they're a couple of thugs, you know? They're there to collect money from Mortimer, and he tells them that, oh, I have half your money, I just need more time to get the rest of it. And they're like, you know what? We got no time, but we get this knife. And so they, the dialogue is better than what I said. Anyway, they stab him and kill him and then take his wallet. And as they're counting through the wallet, they're like, oh, he really did have half. Yeah. I mean, like they, he almost had all of it. Yeah. Maybe we should have, maybe we should give it another, another minute. And about then we, they hear something and they're like, oh, it's the police. Run, run. And so they run away while uh, Mortimer lays on the ground bleeding. And then we cut to uh, Alice, who's witnessed all this. And uh, the cats are like, oh, she's in for some real trouble. What is she going to do now? And so off she goes in the night, trying to hide from the killers and the idea that Mortimer's dead and the police. And so we get a, the cat voiceover as it's going on is, oh, this area of town's not a good part of town to be in. What, what is she doing here? Like, she she can't be here. It's not safe. And uh, we see a few other people, like the types that would run like a bad alley, like prostitution. And There's a lady of the night for sure. Oh, There's yeah. a couple drug dealers and thugs. Some guy looking like he's going to rob someplace for sure. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a bunch of bad, a bunch of bad folks to be around. And uh, as she's wandering through the streets, she comes across the two killers. And of course she freaks out and decides that she needs to go home because here are those two killer guys again. And of course they, they don't take a lot of notice of her, but I mean, they see her. So she flees home, and when she gets home in the middle of the night again, uh, she goes inside, and her, her younger sister's waiting for her, and winds up meeting her in her bedroom. She's like, I heard about Mortimer Alice. I'm so sorry. And she's like, I, I know it must be really hard for you, but uh, you still, you're still you still loved. Kitty and Snowball, Snowdrop are here. They missed you. And, uh, of course, Alice is getting ready to give herself another dose, and she pulls out. She winds up pulling out a fish from someplace. I'm not really sure where the fish came from. That, it's from that that canister there. Is it just from the jar? Okay. Yeah, that jar's for the cats, not for her. So she feeds feeds the cats, because, of course, they're... They look know, like sardines. Yeah, little fish. Yeah, little like fishes. kind of little fishes. So she feeds the cats, and as, they're, as she's talking with her sister, uh, she gets this idea. And uh, about that time, we wind up seeing uh, both cats talk their voiceover monologue, said, this next part might be our fault. Two days pass by, and then we have a knock on the door. And a knock on the door are these two bruiser-looking dudes. They're like, uh... It's Tweedledee and Tweedledum. That's who it is, yeah. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the, uh... The twins. Twins. Yeah, from Alice Wong. And, uh, they're there to get Alice. And, uh, of course, the older sister is like, oh, so happy they're there. And they are going to lead her away. And then they find out Alice has already snuck out again. And that makes the older sister so, so mad. 
Uh, but it turns out that Alice has snuck it out to uh, take herself to the uh, insane asylum. And um, the voiceover, of course, the the cats explain what's happening, why why she's going where she's going, and they're not really sure if she's going for the right reasons. And then we see the woman who runs the insane asylum, who is clearly the queen of hearts. Yeah. Um, her outfit sells it 100%. And uh, she says, oh, Alice, you made a very good decision. This is a very brave for such a young lady. And they admit her into the insane asylum, and that's where the book wraps. There is a really cool, like, preview for another book. That looks really good, Grim. Yeah. That looks actually, really cool. It's actually one of the books to watch this time around because it looks so cool. It does look cool. So that preview in the back is really awesome, uh, but it's not part of the main book, so that's enough of that. I don't know. As a story... I like the art a lot. I really do. Um, Dan Pinoja, I think, is great. Uh, as far as storylines, I mean, I guess it's not my normal bag in life. And uh, as a thing, I see more hope in it. So I guess we'll see what the how the book turns if it continues to go this direction or not. I really like the voiceover by the cats. And maybe that's the only reason I'm like so sold on this thing. Because I, I like the art a lot. And like the way it's, it's put together, I think, is pretty cool. You like cats? What? Man, I know. It's terrible. They're just so fuzzy and Nothing fun. Wrong with that. There's these videos of bacon biscuits on the internet right now. It's so good. <laughs> just so funny. And there's so many of them. It's great. It's wholesome. Man, that and red pandas. The oh, most, the, true. The best animal that can maul you to death. Sure. They can't maul you to death, though. Red pandas? Have you seen their hands? Yeah, they're... Have you watched them be violent in any video ever? He's Only saying when they, they kill they snakes can't. and berries. They cannot. The fact that those things exist in nature and they're not extinct just out of sheer, like, cuteness and stupidity blows my mind. <laughs> like, fantastic. honestly. They're fantastic. They eat vegetables. Yeah, they, they don't eat yeah. meat. No, yeah. They don't maul anybody. I mean, you, you've seen the smash watermelons, right? If they decide they want to get you, I mean, they got claws. So, mm. I mean. Your head's like a watermelon. My cat yeah, has claws. Exactly. Dude. Your cat's a lot smaller. And they hurt no, when they're you not. use them. It hurts when you use them. Red pandas like size of this table, bro. Yeah, dude. They're no, not, they're not. Yes, they are. They're, they're like they're the size of like Lucy. They're not. No. They're like twenty to thirty pounds. Is all. No, they're bigger than that. Google it. They're they're okay. bigger. Okay, they're you not. Go, big. You go ahead and Google it. I'm gonna finish Continue. my score. I'm sorry, I interrupted. No, you're fine. No, I'm sorry. I just I hate the fact that red pandas like people are like oh they're endangered. Have you seen what they do? They're terrible animals. Oh, whatever. They, they fall over. They fall out of things. Have you seen the They're video? comical animals. Have you seen the video of actual pandas just falling out of trees? Man, you weren't lying. Red pandas are <laughs> no. only like 14 pounds. Told you. Boom. Wow. I, I've done a lot of research on this. I feel like, like I've seen them in real life, and they're not small. But it's so cute. Yeah, that's the problem. How <laughs> that? How is that thing not dead, like extinct? Have sure. you seen that? They just... Because the, Regular they pandas are just as bad. They They fall out of trees all the time. They do. And just, all they do is sit and eat. Seriously, just Google pandas falling out of trees, and there's like a there's like a a montage of just like them falling. <laughs> That's funny. Ridiculously, like this, like doing dumb things and being like, "How are those things still like?" That's why they're endangered because they're <laughs> terrible animals. They also uh, mainly eat bamboo shoots as well. So just like a normal panda. Yeah, don't question me about animals. I, I watch way I too much animal. Yep, I won't. I, w- I won't again. <laughs> I don't watch. I think the I, best. Here's the deal. If anybody at this table, I watch way more Animal Planet than anybody. I don't watch like 19 versions of Waterworld that nobody that wants Ulysses to see. Ulysses version's great. I, is it though? I want to talk I mean, about it's like Waterworld. Water if you like Waterworld, then it's fantastic. I don't dislike Waterworld, but I like Red Pandas more. 
I like, I like, I like Waterworld. Like and I know way more about them. We want to talk about Black Mambas? Let's talk about those. I like Waterworld no, a lot. See, that's the point. Don't we'll question about me about animals. Okay, okay you were right. Like, oh, no one questioned anybody. Just to I be did. honest. Though. I did. I questioned it. Oh, well, You're like, they can scratch your eyes out. Captain, I'm telling you, if they honestly, to, they could. <laughs> and honestly, he's gone to the vet recently. Captain weighs more than the average red panda. Oh, is he that fat? Wow. That's not fat. That's a normal sized cat's weigh like 15 pounds. You call him fat all the time. He is a fat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not supposed oh to swear God. in this podcast. Oh go God. on, go on. Control completely. Yeah, red pandas, dude. And all they eat is bamboo. Captain eats anything he can get his mouth That's on. That's true. That's including true. your face. <laughs> is that you at some point? Maybe fingers. Right. All right. Go on. He's bitey. That's true. He is bitey. Anyway, um, as far as the book's concerned, I mean, I give it two and a half. I liked it a lot. I like both covers for it. I think they're both picturesque and cool. And by the end of it, I might have a different opinion, so I guess we'll see where it goes. But uh, in general, for a first issue, I thought it was cool. Uh, Mr. 45, what do you think about the uh, Alice Ever After? I only give it like a one and a half. Um, I, I, I don't like it. I don't like the drug-riddled like craziness of that Like everybody does with Alice in Wonderland. It's just like, it's always, always, always about drugs. I would love to see somebody take a different take on it. But everybody... And anything takes the drug route on Alice in Wonderland, and it bothers me a lot. I mean, it would be cool if somebody figured out a neater way to go about that. That it would maybe be a little bit more interesting to me. Um, like a mental illness would be kind of cool. And or I, I, no, not even psych- that. Psychosis. I, maybe just maybe just literally like like Narnia, where it's a fantasy realm that that, sure. that she goes into. Sure. That it's kind of supposed to be to an extent. I don't know. It's just like I don't want it to always be like drug. Like or mental illness related, like something. I don't want it to be dark. Seems played out to you. I understand. Yeah, and so like I think that that's my biggest issue with this book. And um, I mean, it's neat where they bring in like the different characters, like the like the Red Queen is at the end. Um, the Queen of Hearts. She's yeah. the, she's like the variant. Like I mean, it's it. I mean, it is what it is. It's just like you know, like her her inner addictions are the cats talking to her and stuff. Like I don't like. I mean the, the 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 one thing good about it the art is is pretty cool and when they switch back like when she goes into to Wonderland like that art style like it's very like painty like I I, li- I like that that that's neat about it but other than that I just I wasn't just I wasn't very impressed like it's not it's it's such like a not original idea is what kind of bugged me about it but Mr. Brown um <clears throat> there are three pages in this book that all happen in Wonderland and they are incredible. Um, the art is fantastic. Um, it's the color palette used in this is, and, and it, it, it's deliberate to make it feel like a, another world. I understand that, but it's almost, um, gosh, Victorian art picture wise. It sure. reminds me of, um, I, I love these three pages. I think they're incredible. And if the whole book was like that, I probably would give it a higher score. I'm going to give it a two and a half. Um, I like all the characters that kind of come back into it. The queen, um, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Um, and some of the characters in the real world kind of mimic some of the characters that are in Wonderland. Um, yeah, just, it, it, it's, 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 it's very dark. Just like Josh said, it, it is dark and it's, it's kind of right. not upsetting, but you're like, man, that that's, that's, uh, it's, it's, it's very heavy. It feels like, um, so, but it's, it's not, not enjoyable. Um, I'll be interested to see, you know, where it goes. 
And again, I think the redemption arc that you're talking about, or we kind of discussed beforehand, is is um, hopefully the way that it goes. Right. We get to see Alice um, redeem herself and not necessarily be um, addicted to what appears to be opiates, or, or, or I believe you know what they say. So, right, right. Those three pages are incredible. I think they're, and I don't know which artist which artist did them, but they're amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, from there, you want to switch gears, and we'll do some uh, Captain America. I'm going to read a Marvel book right now. Look at that. Oh, man. All right. So we have Captain America number zero. Um, I believe this is called Future Proof. Uh, writers are, I'm going to butcher this name, Tochi Onibuchi. Oni, Onibuchi. Got it. Tochi Onibuchi. Uh, Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly. Your artist is Mattia de Ilus. Ilus? Yeah, it's close enough, I think. Lewis. Looks like Alex Ross did a cover as well. He did the primary cover, the main cover on the book right this now. Guy here. Yeah, the cover we have with us in the studio today is the Alex Ross cover. Okay. Uh, there's a handful of other covers. Mark Brooks has a uh, a uh, wraparound cover also. Um, it, yeah, as far as covers, they're all good. Uh, so this book dives right in. Um, we have our main giant um, man with a big screen on his chest with a big face. Um, it looks like he's kind of preaching to a bunch of people and you can see all these robot figures um, behind and he's a robot as well, kind of a big camera on his head. And he says uh, <clears throat> wretched inhabitants of New York City, City, too long have you suffered under the blinding yoke of human civilization. So I am in, um, uh, oh, excuse me, Arnim Zola, the biofanatic have Designed for you an all an, an exit strategy. Um, he goes on about his master plan and you know what what's going on uh, behind him. You see a giant rocket um, that looks like it's going to uh, change people into the Zolasauruses. <laughs> so um, you see people running, screaming, and all of a sudden the next panel he's like, "Oh come on, you got to be joking!" And from there we run into a two page panel of Captain America. And Captain America, uh, Steve Rogers and um, Sam Wilson, both throwing their shields um, towards him. R- really, I mean, the, the art in this is incredible. But so you see it, and uh, you kind of see it clang, 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 and it's you know jumping up against these these shields. Rather, are you know hitting these these uh, robots. Um, and Sam says, "You ever get tired of that sound, Steve?" And and uh, uh, Rogers says, "Absolutely not." He says, "Let freedom ring." From there, we see the two of them, I love this, um, holding each other's shield. Sam's shield is a little different uh, color, and the star is a little bit different. And he says, nice shield, by the way. Sam says, thanks. You too, obviously. And Roger says, seems like she's got some years on her, but everyone loves a classic. Uh, he says, speaking of classic, your old friend with the TV face is about to rip a hole in New York City. Let's make sure this intersection is the only thing Zola destroys today. You go low, and I'll go high. See you, on the, see you on the other side. From there, uh, we have Rogers running towards uh, the Zola, and Sam is taking what looks like um, flying towards the rocket. Uh, Rogers says, rockets can't run without engines. So he begins to run towards it, and he slams into the engine as it's trying to take off. We see this big clang, um, and it uh, goes boom. He says, rockets. I don't hate a lot of things in the world, but I hate rockets. Did you think you'd, did you think, <laughs> do you think this would be easier than that, Rogers? You can hear Zola talking in the background. Um, 
He says, no, Zola, I know it will be. And from there, we see Zola inhabiting a different being. It looks like kind of some kind of squid thing with a with a uh, TV for a face. Yeah, we got a lot of different Zola bots that yeah. are, which I mean, from the, if you if all you've ever seen is the movies, this is the guy in the computer that was a little man with the small glasses. That's who Zola is. Okay. But yeah, as a, as a thing, I thought it was so funny. We talked about rockets and hating rockets. I mean, that's what blew up Bucky. Yeah. So that is awesome. Uh, from there, Captain America, and, or excuse me, I should need to, need to do the two different things. <laughs> Rogers enters uh, the ship as it's taking off, and we see Sam, um, you know, flying above it. Um, he says, we need to dislo- disable this payload or everyone's going to turn into some kind of freaky dinosaur. He says, hey, Steve, uh, I think I think I got a read on. And then he can he go, presses his ear and he's like, Steve, Steve. And uh, he can't he can't hear him. So Zola's uh, manipulating their com- their comms of some sort. Um, from there, he's fighting this squid Zola inside what looks appears to be the engine room, um, and we have uh, quite quite a battle here, um, saying that okay, we're we're no longer looking to stop it. We're looking to control it because if it explodes too close, it could it could cause a problem. Um, from there, we see Zola um, and Steve still squaring off. He says, it takes a bold visionary uh, to to break it, to do what must be done for the liberation of this world. And Steve says, this world doesn't belong to you, Zola. <clears throat> no, it belongs to them. But I, Zola, the sentinel of liberty, strike back against the terrible destiny. Now we shall write a new thesis, not one of humanity's survival, but out of evolution. And what makes you think this will be the, this time I won't stop you, Steve says. And he says, because you're trapped in a rocket that is going to explode. And Steve says, not my first time. Also hilarious. Well, and it's, and it's cool too, because it's their eye back, back, back to. Oh, yeah, the way they mirror the two faces. The, yeah, the two panels yeah. are back to back, and it's both their eye. And he's like, not, not my first time. Not my first rodeo. Uh, Sam on the outside of it, uh, is still, you know, trying to attempt to stop this rocket. Uh, and uh, he says, knock, knock. And he disables one of the little drones that are flying by. He says, name's Captain America, by the way. And we see big guns on this rocket say, fire, fire, fire. Captain America, what Captain America? Again, this is Zola speaking through some kind of other machine. Uh, the same America that will be underwater in less than a few decades. The same America ravaged by fires your kind are too petty to address. The same America that would rather jail its own than come to terms with its own environment that would raise forests to build prisons. Zola says, that America? And he disables the gun, Sam does, and just flies right through it. And he says, yep, that America. From there, we come back into the ship, and we have... Steve, fighting another Zola, he says, You can feel it, Rogers, the burning in your lungs, the tearing of your muscles, the creaking in your bones, a traditional booster you would only force to three times the strength of gravity. But in this rocket, it's equipped with anti-gravity boosters capable of rushing upwards, upward of seven Gs. A normal man would be dead the minute they fired, but you, Herr Rogers, you are a gift for, to me, for I can slowly watch you die. So tell me, Captain America, in the last moments, after all these years enduring your absurd optimism, do you finally see the truth? And then he goes into it, and we see the star, and it's breaking down. Um, that's Bucky. This is... Sharon. Oh, Sharon. And that is... Uh, Peggy. Peg- oh. oh. So it's, a, it's, the, it's the, the five points have different people inside of them. The top three have, yeah, Bucky, Sharon, and Peggy. And the bottom have the new characters that came from a book series called, uh, oh gosh... 
Oh, Captain America. It was a five-part miniseries that just happened. Now I can't remember what it's called. I will look for that. Okay. Um, but yeah, they're all the new kids and these other voices that they did. People have taken up the mantle as well, even though they're maybe not endowed the same way. Yeah, they're all wearing Captain America, you know, um, cowls. Um, and Zola's still telling him, you, you see how America has left you behind? And Steve says, all I see is another madman who hasn't learned what happens to tyrants. And he flings his shield towards him and destroys Zola. You admire Hitler, Zola? Go meet him. And he stabs him with this with his shield, and uh, we get this blinding burst of white light. Um, from there, we're still with Sam on the outside. Um, you'll never understand what drives a person to pick up the shield, knowing knowing you'll be hated for that. You'll get knocked down, and you have to get back up. After everything I've been through, same kind of fool who tried busting into a rocket and getting ready to leave the second layer of the Earth's atmosphere and kill him. Things burning up real quick, so you can you know see him kind of you know figuring out the situation that this thing is flying through the air and he's trying to figure out how to stop it. Um, from there, Sam it, you know tries to pull on something and you can see it rips open the uh, the, the the ship and he flies in. He says, "Just in time, any longer on that thing, and I would have been a five bird roast." He says, "I guess that's what I get for speechifying." Um, so inside the ship, he's falling in. And there is hundreds, hundreds of these robots, and they all have red dots um, targeting him, and he's just falling through them. Oh, yeah, tons of drones. It's crazy. Tons of drones. Um, from there, um, we see, again, I mean, obviously, you know, Steve killed one of the Zolas, but there's there's so many. Um, from there, we see them find kind of the, the main brain of Zola. It's, this, um, it's got many, many eyes. It kind of reminds me of the core from... Uh, What's that movie? Event Horizon. Anyways. Uh, uh, no, it looks like it, yeah. yeah. Uh, from there, we you know have lasers going off everywhere, and um, Zola's still monologuing about how America never cared, and so on and so forth, and you can't kill me, you're just one man. What can one man do but die? And we see Steve's mouth, and he says, that's just it, Zola. I'm not one man. And he says, "I'm." they both, excuse me, Sam and um, Rogers will say, I'm Captain America, and they both slam into it both their shields this brain has just combusted um sparks um on this page are incredible um so they finish their mission and uh we see uh them talking to each other after this brain is dead and roger says the old alley-oop and sam says and the dunk uh the boosters seem to be have cut but still heavy in here as far as gravity only reason i'm standing uh is the uh Hundreds of hours of flight I have logged. Uh, during his speech, so did Zola mention anything about turning this thing around? No, he didn't get to that part, Rogers says. There has to be a way to disable the control, alter its flight pattern, steer it to safety, and Sam just blam, slams his shield right into the control panel and says, no time. But I made a hole in the ceiling. Good. I've been on my feet all day, Rogers says. Picks him up, and they uh, fly out of the rocket. And as they're flying out of the rocket, uh, Steve asks, or excuse me, uh, Sam asks, awkward question. You going to be astonishing Captain America, or is that going to be me? <laughs> and Roger says, really? Now? And we have this back and forth of, uh, if you want my opinion, I think Uncanny 
Captain America suit you. <laughs> it's so funny. Not spectacular, Captain America? I mean, sure, but I think you could really pull off Uncanny. Why don't you take Uncanny? From there, they run into uh, some kind of electrical interference from the ship, I'm guessing, or something shot at them from the ship. It's, it's still going up, and uh, Sam carrying Rogers, his wings kind of stop, and he's like, Sam, look out. Um, Rogers grabs Sam, and they both jump on top of Captain America's shield. He's like, I gotcha. He says, hold on tight. Rough landing coming up. And Sam says to that, uh, when you're riding a shield like a wakeboard, that's the only kind. They land in the ocean and they just slam into uh, the water right next to the Statue of Liberty. Uh, he, and uh, Roger says, how about this? No adjectives. We're both just Captain America. And Sam says, I could get behind that. Yeah, that could work. And they both fist bump with the with the Statue of Liberty behind them, which is awesome. So cool. Uh, from there, uh, we're in Harlem a little bit later. And we see a man... Um, Around a bunch of people. Um, they look like they're celebrating outside of a theater called the Apollo. And he says, a shame, Sam Wilson. You would have made a great Wakandan. Perhaps a better leader than my brother. Instead, they will tear you to pieces. But who knows? Maybe you win and maybe Wakanda falls forever. And so the starting gun has fired. And there we go to the shield. Um, we're looking at the shield. Uh, a sacrifice. To bless the new contest. Welcome to my contest, friends, dearest uh, and dearest enemies to the Century Game. The rules are simple. We know them. We live them. Are you prepared to begin? And we see a bunch of shadows around a star, and it says yes. And we zoom out from there, and it says uh, your star points await. Some old, some new. Your moves, as ever, are at your discretion. The world's yours. And we see a metal arm with a red star on it. Uh, to build, to break, to burn, let a new day dawn. And we see a kid holding a shield, it looks like. Or is that Cap? I think I can't really tell for sure, because it's just the back of the head. Yeah, it's just it back could of the be head. Cap, but I don't think... I think if it was Cap, it would have been bigger shoulders sticking off. Yeah. And because of the body, we just don't see enough to know. Sure. So, I mean, it could be U.S. agent also. Sure, uh, could be. There's not enough to tell us who it is. We know that metal arm, though, for sure. I mean, if it is Buck, that... Would make a lot of sense, but if it's just another patriot or another uh, Winter Soldier, I mean, who knows? Sure. I'm going to give this book four and a half. I really, really enjoyed it. I think it's the best book of the night. Um, the art in this is fantastic. Uh, very real looking. It reminds me of um, Kingdom Come, again, coming up. Um, very, very, very detailed, very real looking, very not comic book like. Looks like a panel or an oil painting. Um, the story's great. It's simple. It's to the point. It's what a comic book should be, in my opinion. Your, you know, intro, your big hero moments, your funny beats that come back and forth. I love Sam Wilson, um, and I love him being Captain America and the Falcon. I think that's really cool. So, yeah. Excellent. Uh, 45, what do you know about Captain America Zero? Liked it. It's cool that they're like, they did like a, like a cool issue zero. And so like sometimes the issue zeros are just like real short little, like, and this one's like a, seems like a full issue. Um, and then they're going to spawn off into the two like full, um, Cat books ongoings, which will be like one will be Sam, one will be, um, Steve, which I think is rad. You know, the art's good. Like it's not, it's not like super fantastic. It's good. Are you no, it's, sure? It's, it's solid. Oh man. It's just different style, but, but, but what we like. I think it's incredible. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's... I like that realism look, though, for me. Yeah, I mean, it's... I, I my, my issue with it is that, like, I think sometimes it gets sketchy and parts of it, like, I don't know. Like, there's parts of it when close-ups, it gets real sketchy. I don't know. It's it's great. Like I give it I give it a four and a half. Like I mean I I'm just trying to find something that I can't give it a, a proper five about. Like I like Captain America. I always have. I like I like that Sam didn't just like didn't like back up and be like no I'll just go be Falcon again. Like he's going to continue to be like Steve is like no be, they they both are like continue to be Cap. Like do your your version. Like the, America needs more than one like right. like Captain. America, you know, like, and I, I don't, there's, there's a lot of cool to it. Like, I'm, you know, after all the crazy, like, uh, what the secret invasion and like all that, like that, what was the one where he became, like, he was a, like, a different version of him was like a, a Hydra. Oh, with, uh, with Steve? Yeah. Oh, Secret, Secret Empire. Secret Empire, yeah. So, and like, and it was a different, it was a different Steve from like a different time. No, it was, it was the same Steve Rogers. He was just, his brain was infected by a piece of the Cosmic Cube that didn't realize what it was doing because it was a small child. Um, and the happenstance of that, it rewrote his history, not history of the world, history of Steve Rogers. And so his beliefs and the way his life was run was as if he was constantly a Hydra agent. And that's what he'd always been. Um, eventually in order to fix all that within the secret empire, we do wind up walking away with two physically different Steve Rogers. Um, also cosmic cube shenanigans. Uh, but as far as what the original, storyline mentel is consistent of it was a real Steve Rogers um, which is what made Secret Empire so crazy and so great uh, but by the end of it, it it irons out in a way we have two physical beings uh, but yeah as far as a thing Secret Empire it was so crazy and such a big thing and like we've done so many other books where like we had different guys with shields so I like that we're getting like I'm with you I like that we're getting both versions this second page, them coming at uh, the first Zola um, flying through the air is just just in- incredible. I think it's an amazing piece of art. Um, I would hang that on my wall. That's really good. It's beautiful. Um, so score wise, you said five and a, four and a, four and a quarter. You get four and a half. Okay, it's just it's you know it's a great starting off book. Like and anybody who like is just wants to get on the ground floor or something good, which is cool. Um, but also it's like a great standalone story, like an issue that you could just read over and over again. It's a fun story. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of good, like it's, it flows really well. There's a lot of action. Um, you know, and you can't, you can't hate on Alex Ross's cover. Like Alex Ross does no wrong. I like, I like Alex Ross's cover. I would rather see a cover by this Lewis. DeLewis. DeLewis. I think his art is incredible, but no, of course you can't hate on Alex Ross. Not at all. No, I agree. I agree. Well, as far as scoring, like, I go along with you guys and give it four and a half also. It's a great individual issue. As far as, like, art, the art's fantastic. The story's fun. There are so many places in this book that I hear Chris Evans' voice. Oh, yeah. He says oh, yeah. Like, when he's been standing for days at the end, like, my brain hears Chris Evans saying it. Well, it's same with, uh, uh, Anthony Mackie. Same. I oh, mean, yeah. I can't, I can't not. No, all, all his, like, little, like, one jokes yeah, and great. quips. Yeah, it, you it's should put be together uncanny. so well. You should be. Oh, yeah. It's great. Like, all the banter stuff. I think you could pull that off. Yeah. It just as a thing in general, I can, yeah, you can hear them, hear them doing it. And I'm like, man, that's written pretty good. The fist pound, you know, in front of the Statue of Liberty is, it's great. Oh, sure. 
Yeah. As far as that, I mean, it's a very, it's a very patriotic book. Yes. Um, as far as individual series, yeah, from this, we're getting to get the two different series is the Sam Wilson series, uh, which I think is called Captain America's Sentinel of Liberty. No, that's the, that's the Steve Rogers one. Steve Rogers, Captain America's Sentinel of Liberty. Symbol of truth. Symbol of truth. Yeah. So we have the two different books coming out of it, which will be really cool to see what they do with those two different things. But yeah, as far as like a standalone issue, it, it's awesome. I mean, we give us a clear bad guy and we let the two of them just be awesome. So yeah, I think it's great. Uh, as far as a setup book, yeah, I mean, I agree with what you said earlier. You can read it, you can read it by itself and it's, it's just fun. Well, and Josh is right. A zero is usually so much setup and this is a lot less of that. It's very actiony, very, you know, it, I'm sure it sets up something, but. Well, I mean, it, it does, but it's not like that's what the whole book is. Sure. And it's, and it's a full story, even with the pieces at the end where it's setting up what's happening, whatever, whatever's going on with Bucky, whatever's going on with him, that, that right. other guy with the shield. And as far as the other people in the star before, that's the characters from Captain America, United States of Captain America. Oh, okay. That was the book. So it was a five-part series that introduced all these other characters that each issue had a standalone character that was somebody else that in their travel across America, Sam, Stephen, Buck, gosh, that was hard to remember. As they all travel across the U.S., they ran into these other people that also take Captain America symbolism and run with it as a... As a moniker. As a moniker, yeah. So, like, uh, yeah, it was real, really pretty cool. I mean, for a weird five-part, it was pretty cool. Uh, but that's what those characters are. It's just more, because when he's like, you're alone, he's like, no. No. Here's, here's all these other people. Which is also awesome. But yeah, I mean, good book. And the, and the covers, yeah, they're all, they, they're all really good. Alex Ross and some crazy paintings, right? Uh, let's see, so from that, we're going to run the uh, interview with... Uh, well, this is an interview from WonderCon uh, 2021. It was a couple months ago. This is uh, Beth Satello, who's just fantastic. Uh, so we'll run that for you right now and uh, be back in just a minute. Hey, this is Steve with Top 5 Comics Podcast here at WonderCon 2022. And I am here with Beth Satello. And Beth, I just walked past and noticed your book. Tell me a little about your book. This is The Grump, right? Yeah. Um, I actually uh, I got my start doing comics as a colorist, and eventually I figured I'd like to get back to my roots of uh, pencil art, and one of the first projects I started on was this book called Grump. I'm the writer-artist for it, and uh, it's basically about this little nine-year-old monster kid trying to make his... Uh, first friends in the world, whether he likes to or not. So it could be found at bestotello.com if you'd like to see. Excellent. Just a minute ago we were talking a little bit, so I sort of cheated. Uh, tell me a little about who he's based off of? Yes. Um, well, to my, my mother's dismay, it's actually based off of her father, my grandfather, and a pufferfish. Uh, I was intrigued my, by my grandfather's blockish head, uh, bald sunspots, and like this two-hair comb-over. And I just thought it was like the coolest thing. So I just used that and Pufferfish to kind of cuten it up. And I don't know, I just ran with it. <laughs> well, you got a really cool look. So we were talking a second ago. And you were telling me about how you started and stuff and how you got into this in the first place. So can you just tell me that again? Yeah. Um, in high school, I actually wanted to do traditional animation. And so by the time I went to school for that, it was all going to CG animation. I took some classes in that, and it just didn't really click. I wasn't interested in it. 
so as a kind of a stopgap, I ended up doing, uh, I, I found myself at Top Cow uh, Comics in Santa Monica in the production department and kind of coloring pages after my production work. That's how I got my foot in the door. Um, but I kind of wanted to get back to drawing. So when I finally got the time to do that, uh, I started developing this book, Grump. Awesome. Well, as far as things like, uh, piece while you see, you said you did color for Top Cow. Um, any books we know? Uh, Magdalena, uh, over Joe Benitez, uh, and uh, Eric Basildua. Um, there was uh, a fill-in pages for Witchblade, uh, Fathom. Um, there's some even some Wolverine stuff, and I got to do a Mark Silvestri cover at one point, which was fun. Um, yeah, I just kind of uh, worked. When I started, I worked on whatever I could, which was like trading cards from the up-and-coming artists that were there. I did flats. I did backgrounds. Whatever I could do to just stay in that space with the rest of the artists so I could build a, a career off of it. So little by little after, you know, it was pinups and then fill-in pages, short stories, and I finally got my own book, which was doing, uh, I believe it was Magdalena with Eric Basildua. Yeah, well, I remember Magdalena. I liked it a lot. It was good stuff. So where can people find you on Instagram? On Instagram, I'm Instagram and Twitter, I'm Midimew, M-I-D-I-M-E-W, and Facebook, uh, Beth Sotelo. And best, uh, if uh, you want to go to bestotello.com, you can find all my stuff there as well. Excellent. That's where people should look. What is your go-to karaoke song? <gasps> oh, my gosh. That makes me panicked. I don't have one. I hide. If somebody tries to put... I'm, tr I'm trying to hold it together with this mic that you have right now because I'm just like, no, be a, be a professional. But, yeah, I, I can't do karaoke. I will watch it. Um, I like to see angry women sing Aladdin's Morissette because it makes me laugh. Because they all get up there and it's like, oh my gosh, please, you need a hug. But uh, yeah, I can't sing them myself. Oh man. What about a sing-along song? Were you doing it as a sing-along? Uh, you know, it might be something like an 80s uh, old sitcom song or something like that. Like Brady Bunch or Three's Company or I don't know. Alright, I, I can take that. Sing-along songs work. Alright, so if you were uh, stranded on a deserted island... And you only take five items with you. What five items would you take? You know, I'm going to be the, the nerdy artist and take a pencil and paper. It seems like I can get a lot of entertainment out of that. Um, probably, I can't think of a book that I would want to read forever and ever. Um, ah, yeah, that's three things. A book I'll, to be chosen <laughs> later. <laughs> and I'll take my husband. Can I, can I give you number four? We can take <laughs> people, yes. He's four on the list. And then number five, I want uh, some magical thing that dispenses ice cream. Because <laughs> I, I can't see life without ice cream. All right, magical ice cream dispenser, I like that. That's a good answer. Okay, the last one. If you lived in Fantasyland, uh -huh. would you ride a chocolate pony? <gasps> oh, well, will there be laundry at the end of the ride? Because I'm going to get... <laughs> yes, yes, I would. <laughs> that is also a fantastic answer. Well, thanks for talking with us, Beth. I appreciate it a lot. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I just uh, thank Beth again for taking the time to talk with me. And uh, I mean, a short, short story with that, like the beginning of WonderCon, 
I wandered around for a couple hours at the very beginning, and I'm like, I don't know if I even want to be at this thing. Not because it wasn't interesting. It was, it was a really fun show, and I had a lot of fun by the end of it. But at the beginning, I was walking around, and I'm like, ah, I'm just not feeling it. And then I came across Beth, and she started telling me about her book, and I was just like, okay. Okay, this is why I'm here. This is... So she saved the whole day. Got you back into the, oh, the con mood? Yeah, entirely. And well, I don't even know why I was out of it, because like... Huh. I mean, I drove from, you know, 12 hours to go do this thing, and I love doing conventions, that's true. But yeah, that first part of the day, I was just like, man, I don't know about this. And then, uh, yeah, when I came across her, she started explaining the, the, her story, her grump book, and I'm just like, okay. I need. I actually told her, okay, Beth, I need you to stop, because uh, I want to do this interview with you for my podcast. And uh, she's like, um, okay. I said, because everything you're telling me is fantastic. <laughs> so I'm, we're going to need to repeat part of that, but let's, uh, is that cool? And she's like, um, okay. I mean, you, having just heard it, I mean, she's like, Mike's making me nervous. And I'm like, okay, you'll be fine. It'll be, it'll be easy, I swear. But yeah, she totally like, and then for the rest of the, rest of the trip, uh, fine. I mean, I interviewed Becky Cloonan, which is awesome. David Mack, which is awesome. Uh, Sean Cheeks Galloway, which is also freaking awesome. Um, yeah, uh, John Boy Myers, also awesome. So, like, and then the whole stuff with the guys from Woke. and That looked like a lot of fun. Oh, it was, yeah, it was so fun. Like, all three of them are so funny. And the, and the guy that created it, he, or the, the guy that's based off of, also awesome cartoonist. I mean, it's, yeah, fantastic, which I'll have pieces at some point from that for you guys to listen to, too. It's yeah, because he, he does all the work in that show, right? Yeah, well, as a thing that... The, the cast itself is built up of a batch of different comedians, and as far as, well, I guess not comedians, funny funny actors from funny shows. Sure. I mean, Team Earth does, does stand up, but it's not quite the same thing. Uh, but the the original, the creator of it, Keith Knight, um, is based off his life and, uh, and things that happen to him in life. And of course, it gets more outlandish, and so some of it's spurned out of real things, which actually during during one of the uh, press junkets when we were when I could talk to him, uh, he explained how there's things that we try to make up that were supposed to be knocking things, and it turned out they were actually based on real things too, just by happenstance. Really? So, like, he, yeah, it's it's pretty cool, and that show's pretty fun. Like, I didn't necessarily expect that I like it as much as I do, and it may be just because all those guys are so awesome. But as a thing, it was really pretty neat. But yeah, he, the whole convention was saved by Beth. So, and Beth, if you're listening to this, I thank you a lot. That was awesome. Appreciate it so much. You're a fantastic lady. Thanks, Beth. So, uh. As far as the thing from, yeah, definitely check out her book, uh, bethotel.com. Yeah, she's awesome. So from there, we do lesson of the day. Josh, what'd you learn today? Um, what did I learn? I mean, I guess I learned a, little, a lot more about Batman Beyond than I ever, than I ever thought. It's nothing funny, but like I learned more about Batman Beyond. Right. Well, as far as things, I mean, yeah, the book gives us a lot of different pieces about it and it's his style in general. Mr. Not, I mean, not, not your style, just like just the fact that, like, just the story of, like, Gotham becoming a sentient being. Sure. Interesting. So, yeah. Cool. cool. Mr. Brown, what'd you learn today? Um, I haven't liked a Marvel book in a long time. Um, so I learned that I can still enjoy quite a bit of things that happen in the Marvel universe. Um, I'm usually more of a DC guy. Um, but this was um, almost perfect. What else did I learn? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of something serious. 
Don't do drugs. Here, I learned that. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do drugs. <laughs> it is messed up no matter whether it captures your monologue or not. Uh, so what I learned today, boys. Um, gosh, I don't know if you learned anything today, CBS. You were on point. <laughs> you knew everything. You, I mean. <laughs> uh, it's not, not totally true. I had to look up Captain America. Right. The uh, United States Captain America couldn't remember that at all for whatever reason. So I guess I relearned that. I guess. I, yeah, <laughs> no, you were on point. Like I said, I don't think uh, there's anything that you didn't know. All right. We'll go with that then. Um, 45, you got any action figure news over there? Um, I, uh, the Sparrow toys, like the, uh, animal, uh, warriors of the animal kingdom, um, their deluxe figures, like the taller, like the bigger ones are on sale for twenty one ninety nine down from like $38.99. Oh, that's cool. Um, I was actually just looking at that, like we're, we're, we're potting some of the, I, I don't have any of those, which I'd like to have some, but they're like, um, action figures in general are going to like, just so everybody knows because of inflation in general, but like the, the petroleum costs, things like that, like action figures are made from petroleum. Technically, so just so you know, toys in general are gonna go up. Yeah, all the plastic and so, and they've already been really, really, really high. Even the three and three quarter inch figures are like almost twenty bucks a figure, and then like the six inch figures are like twenty five bucks a figure almost now. Like they're just gonna go up. It's gonna be like several dollars a piece. It's just gonna get more and more ridiculous, which is stupid. But then also, like they just released um, the the news that the San Diego Comic-Con G.I. Joe exclusive is going to be doc- a deluxe Dr. Mindbender. He's not going to be the only Dr. Mindbender that they make. Just like the only Snake Eyes that they made wasn't like the deluxe Snake Eyes, but it's going to be the deluxe when he comes with like a bunch of like vials and science things. I don't know. A bunch of different like test tubes and well, the pictures of the package look crazy. It looks cool. I'm not a big Dr. Mindbender fan. Like a big crate, like a, a, a bald headed mustachio man with a monocle with no shirt on, but like kind of like like uh, S and M, like straps, like suspender things, and a cape. He's pretty freaky for a doctor. It's, it's like I guess, like as a mad scientist, you can wear whatever you want because you're a mad scientist. But uh, on the other hand, I also like there's later on in like the uh, the devils do like books when he like wore a big lab coat and he looked like more like a scientist. Like he seems cooler to me. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of it, but if you like GI Joe and you like Doctor and you're a completionist, even if you don't like Doctor Mindbender, he's going to be the San Diego Comic Con exclusive on that. Um, other than that, like, uh, I don't, there's not a ton of stuff. I got, I got, I did get the new boss fight, um, wave. I, did you see that T Brown? I saw it out there on the table. I didn't check it out. Uh, there's a female knight of a cord. She's really, really cool. And there's like the queen of the elves. She's really, really rad. And then I also picked up the, like, uh, boss fight does the legends line has like, it's going to have Tarzan and, um, Flash Gordon and, uh, the fan, uh, uh, Phantom, That's yeah, right. Phantom. But also, I picked up. Oh, Z- the Phantom. Yeah, we talked about. But that. I picked up Zoro. Zoro oh, nice. out there. He's really, really cool. It's a boss fight. Does no wrong, dude. Like they just. Well, I love all these in here. They're yeah, incredible. Yeah, they're like they're absolutely amazing. And then uh, I just found out. Like I don't want people to know about it because it's a cool figure, and I want to buy more than one. <laughs> but like um, Big Big Bad Toy Store has like the Red Knight exclusive just for their and he's a. It's a really cool figure. So boss fight does have an exclusive figure through boss or they have like a a goblin too. Um, I'm not a big fan of that one, but it, it, it looks good. I just don't a big fan of that, but, uh, they have a red knife through big bad toy store. So, um, anyway, that's what I have on that. Cool. Oh, and then Kyle Reiner, um, McFarlane has the DC, um, yeah, DC universe license or whatever. Um, they just really, they're doing a black, uh, like a, a blackest night, um, sweet wave. 
and the, supposedly the build a figure is Atrocitus, and they're doing Blackest Night Superman, Black or a Black Lantern Superman, Black Lantern, uh, Firestorm, uh, Black Lantern, Batman, and then Kyle Reiner. And there's one other figure, and then the build a figure is going to be Atrocitus, which could, is it Sinestro? Cool. Is it Sinestro? No, it's not oh, Sinestro. Well, they, they've made a bazillion True. Sinestro figures, but uh, the Reiner looks really, 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 really cool. I was like, because I'm, I'm a big Kyron fan anyway, but he's like, he's that bright green, that bright glowy green that's really like, yeah, yeah, pops, yeah. not the emerald, the bright green. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, dang, that's a good figure. So, like, so like people are divided on it because some people like like that darker. Foresty, like emerald green, yeah, yeah classic people. emerald. But then, like that, like that bright, like yeah, it's like and like different realiners have different colors of green, which is like it's cool for them to do that. But uh, um, is kind of hitting out of the park uh, with with the DC figures, man. Like I'm at first, I was kind of like mm, with them getting the license, but man, that like that Doctor Fate figure is really oh, yeah. great. Wait, I haven't seen that. Oh, you haven't? No, no uh, Doctor Fate's my jam. I saw t- uh, Target the other day. It's a Fantastic figure, man. Like if I if I see one, I'll pick it up for you. The like the, even even like the uh, King Shazam figure is really really good. Yeah, it is. It, it, they have, they had a couple of those over at the Walmart, and it looks yeah, it looks really cool. Uh, I mean, all all the even the ones that I'm not like a big fan of the character, like all even all the Batman movie, the Batman movie. Yeah, like, those weren't bad either. I uh, saw them at GameStop yeah. the other day. They were actually really, but they're cool. like they're super well done figures, and that's just like a lot of times movie figures. Is that are it? Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. That there is you go. so cool. So good, man. Um, you yeah. know, because P- Pierce Brosnan's playing him. In I know. I'm super excited for that. But anyway, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of cool things coming out. Like, he's like, just like, be, be aware that like it's, your pocketbooks are probably going to take a big hit. Yeah. He I mean, floats too. He's on a stand. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's cool. It's a good looking figure. You can tell it's freaking awesome. Heck yeah, it's really cool. Right on, right on. You guys got any books to watch? Uh, I just want to shout out, I know I do it almost every week, but uh, uh, Batman Fortress coming out May 24th. That's from my guy, Gary Witta. Um, super excited for that. Um, and then, obviously, if you haven't read um, Beyond Flashpoint Zero, correct? Correct. Please do it. Support. It's, it's good, right? Support. I haven't read it yet, but I'm super excited to go home and read it. Support that Flashpoint. Everybody loves it. And if you don't, you're wrong. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you're wrong. The zero issues is good. It is. Okay, I'm excited. To check sure. it. I'm excited to check it out. Josh, you got anything over there? Um, I haven't read it yet, but I know that you picked up that GI Joe. Oh yeah, this, the anniversary, the the re-release of the uh, Scion issue with uh, the no, extra no, no, stuff. It's, it's not what it is though. It's it just, is. Uh, it's just an anniversary issue. Oh, so. you're talking about the other book? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I I thought you were talking about the special, the 40th anniversary one. You, the one you're talking about is the other one. Yeah, yeah, okay. Also, yes, but yeah, of course, you haven't got three yet because I haven't got two yet. Also, yes. Yes, also, yes. Also, yes. Well, it was delayed, and then I guess it supposedly finally was supposed to come out this week, but they, they I haven't seen any reviews on it, so I don't know if it, did it, if it showed up or not. Yeah. As soon as it comes out, it's supposed to be kind of, it's supposed to be pretty cool, so. Well, as far as books, I mean, I would, I would suggest to watch that. Like we we talked about a little earlier, and Boom Comics is going to have a uh, or Boom Studios is going to have a book called Grim come out, and it's uh, basically about the Grim Reaper, except the Grim Reaper in this is a uh, is a lady with a lot of purple power, and uh, it's not necessarily our classic version of the Grim Reaper. It looks really really cool, uh, art's really great on it, and uh, 
it, it just it seems like the preview pieces are so cool. Um, but yeah, it's Boom Comics putting it out, so that should be really neat. I think on release, there's at least three style covers that are that are easy to get. There's an A cover, a B cover, and there's a foil cover. So yeah, it looks really neat. I mean, of course, it has incentives too, so that's just how things work. But uh, that'll be really cool. And then we're gonna have a uh, so DC's moving to this big event called uh, Dark Crisis, and there's gonna be a mini series that goes on during Dark Crisis. There's a six part that's uh, Dark Crisis Young Justice, and the look of everybody is classic Young Justice. Not even the DC uh, Wonder Comics Young Justice, but like the original Young Justice, like Bart and Superboy, Connor. It, so like the teasing of it looks really cool. So I think that would be one to check out, especially if you like that old Young Justice stuff. Should be something that's awesome. Image Comics is getting ready to drop a couple other books too. I may have mentioned it before. The book called Closet. And Closet is a three-part miniseries. It's a horror story. First issue is pretty good. I mean, the art's not what I normally like, but the issue's pretty good. Um, so I would say watch that too. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be one that probably lands in a movie or something, just because the way it's designed. It's really cool. And then uh, Something's Killing the Children, also a book to watch for, because, my gosh, the first... It looks like it's doing really well. It's so popular, man. Like, it's... Uh, it's it is really good. Um, but as far as issues, they are releasing in a, a special way. They started doing what they call slaughter packs, which what the slaughter packs are is they've had David Mack do a bunch of variant covers, and they've reissued issue one through fifteen with David Mack covers and done them in bundle packs. So the first five issues come together, the next five issues come together. The third set just came out two weeks ago, and it's the next five issues, and they all have brand new covers. Uh, yeah, it's like. You know, I think technically, without having seen the barcodes for every individual book, because I haven't opened one yet, because they come sealed, I don't know if they're considered first prints or not. They might be just because they're packaged different, but even if they aren't, like an eighth print for number one is like a $25 book still. It's crazy. Really? Yeah, it's not even that old, but it's it's really good, and it's really, really popular. Um, and of course, it's got some kind of deal in the works with Netflix, too, so, I mean, that doesn't always bode well recently, but... As a thing, which James Tinian writing it, and he is just awesome. Uh, he's one of the acolytes of uh, Scott Snyder, so it makes sense that he is. But yeah, as far as the series, Something Killing Children is great. Uh, the hardcover's out, so you can get an hardcover trade, whatever. You, so you can get it. Uh, if you want individuals, that's what you like. Slaughter Pack's the way to do it, because everything else is just so expensive, because it's so popular. But it is fantastic. Um, that's all I got. Anything else, boys? No. If you uh, want to hear our, our a deep delve into the uh, the Batman, uh, the Never Been End podcast did an episode. It's a little bit. It's not a. Uh, it's not safe for work, so don't don't listen to it there because there's like profanity and such like that. But we do do a deep dive into that. Um, kind of break it down pretty well. I thought we broke it down pretty well, and we didn't uh, didn't argue as much as I anticipated. To be honest, we agreed on a lot of things. So we did a lot of like analyzing of it, which so agreed. So that's out now as well. Check that out. Um, Never Been Done Podcast. Never Been Done Podcast. Also check out all CBS's art stuff. Oh, yeah. If you want to see pictures from WonderCon. Well, uh, you've got a ton of them. I mean, yeah. I was on fire after uh, after the first couple hours. Um, you can go to uh, Instagram. It's uh, Top of Comics CBS and uh, Top of Comics Podcast also on Instagram. Click the pictures of both places. 
Um, but yeah, a lot of pictures, a lot of cool cosplay, a lot of cool pictures of the people. Beth, you're in there too. Uh, so yeah, anyway, check it out and you could always use more followers, right? That's how that works. Absolutely. There Absolutely. you go. Hey, there you go. Like, follow, subscribe. That's what the kids say. Some great cosplay in that show. There oh, was no, some sure. great stuff. Oh yeah. Awesome costumes. I mean, WonderCon is a super fun show. Uh, it's put on by the same people that do uh, San Diego Comic Con. Uh, just a different flavor of, of show, but it's it's a really it's a fun smaller. show. It is. Uh, I mean, as far as facilities concerned, I mean, the Anaheim Convention Center is is big, but the the show itself, because it happens not necessarily with movie releases, it's got a different it's got a different vibe to it. But I mean, I would say comparative to San Diego, yes, smaller. But again, I. This is the first time I've ever gone, and it's the first year of it being back. So right. Yes. Yeah. It's been almost two years. Two it didn't years. happen. So, as a crazy thing, that we're changed, everything's right. moving forward, man. Let's so go. So weird. Let's so go. weird. Ready. Anyhow, uh, so to key, to key, to key.